and welcome to the Zolly Mamza podcast with Magali and Hansini, where we have thought-provoking conversations about journeys, life and much more. Catch our latest episodes every Monday. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Hello, good morning everyone. We hope you're all doing really well. Today we're joined by our lovely guest, Nadia, who's the founder of the amazing page, Satini Kuku. So welcome, Nadia. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. How are you both? Yeah, good, good thank you. Besides um, the bad weather, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> we move. Yeah. So Nadia, give us a bit of intro about yourself and about the page, how it came up and just, yeah. So um, my name is Nadia um, and like you said, I'm the founder of Sashini Kuku. Um, I work in advertising full time and then about a year ago, I decided to start this page I kind of didn't really know what would happen with it and where it would go and what it would include, but so far it's gone really well. Um, and yeah, that's about it really. It's just a page to showcase kind of mission culture and a bit of education and news at the same time. That was the perfect okay. intro, to be fair. <laughs> how did the name come about? Like, how did you decide? For the, for those who don't know, Satsuni Koko means coconut chutney. So yeah. how, did, how did that name come up? So I wanted something kind of, quintessentially Mauritian that Mauritians would recognize mm-hmm. and then I'm playing around with a name that would involve a dodo because obviously that's the most Mauritian thing out there but you know what all the dodo names are taken and like all the funny yeah. ones are wrong um, <laughs> so I don't know it just kind of it's something that sounded cool and quirky Mauritian and fun so I just stuck with it and it seems I loved like- it <laughs> yeah no it's it's perfect because literally just hearing the word itself it just takes you back and you're right like dodo is just used everywhere now I, I think that I think the name is kind of like you said with dodo it's very like what people know of us but it's actually yeah. it's very much like in everyone's home yeah it's like a homely thing mm-hmm. yeah, and a little pot in the back of the food yeah <laughs> yeah and a bouillon poisson oh man nothing yeah yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to start the page and how like how do you juggle between your work and running the page because there's a lot of content that goes up and from what I've seen it's a lot of well-researched content how do you juggle yeah. both um so I'll start with how I started the page I always kind of knew it was something I wanted to do but I didn't know quite how I'd go about it or what it would include um and I remember like kind of last year everything that happened with COVID and everything around like Black Lives Matter there were loads of things going up and there were also kind of you know there's loads of like Desi meme pages and meme pages about specific cultures and mm-hmm. like the Indian meme pages and the Desi meme pages are great and you can relate to them but not 100% because kind of as Mauritians we have our own culture yeah as Mauritians who are born and raised and brought up outside Mauritius we have another culture within that so I kind of just wanted to create something that encompassed that for Mauritians and kind of make it a safe space, as you wish. But I kind of didn't know, like, should I just make it a funny page? Should I make it an educational page? So I kind of just put everything out of there and just, just to see what sticks. And so far, it's doing pretty well. And then the kind of, like, news and infographics, I wanted to make sure to include some of that culture because I feel like sometimes as Mauritians abroad, we can be a bit out of touch with it, especially... Mm if you don't speak French, because a lot of Mauritian news is in French. Yeah, yeah. You do like one hour of French a week, if that. So that's not enough to get you to that level to be able Mm. to fully understand it. So Sashini Kuku is kind of like a bridge between that to make it, you know, easily accessible and easily digestible. And then in terms of juggling it, 
I'm not gonna lie, it's hard work. It is hard work. So obviously I, I work full time. So in terms of researching the pieces, that does take quite a bit of time because the last thing I want to do is put any like crap or rubbish out there. So I try to make sure everything I do is well researched. I always put sources. It's a job in itself trying to get the information and then trying to distill it down into five or six slides to put on Instagram. So yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's working somehow. What you said about the bridge between like, when you're abroad, it's really hard to keep in touch with news. Because yeah. I personally feel like, since I've grown up here, I try to read the news to try to be aware of what's going on in Mauritius. But like you said, it's really difficult. And you also feel so out of touch. So I think it's so great that it's so accessible. Because sometimes you do feel a bit bad, like you don't really know what's going on. We enjoy all yeah. the good side of Mauritius, but we don't yeah. actually know what the situations are like. So I think your page has done that so well. It's really digestible. Like, Thank you. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, a lot of the stuff that I've learned was from your page, like recent. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I don't yeah, really have. Yeah. So if one person like you guys can say that they've learned something, then I'm happy. <laughs> But it, yeah, it's hard work because I feel like with Mauritian News, it's not like news here where you've got so many sources. With Mauritian News, it's like two or three outlets of news. And then if one contradicts the other one, then it's like, well, which one's telling the truth? And then I find Mauritian News as well that a lot of it kind of pre-assumed you know information. So mm-hmm. then I'm back and back to try and find out before you know it in the kind of wormhole of information. So it can be a bit difficult sometimes, but the whole point of it is to kind of give the top line information and then encourage people if they want to, to kind of do more research about it. That, yeah that's what I like as well like you always say like do your own research and like um you put out there you basically you're just honest and genuine about what you're um showing and what you're like yeah you don't really put your opinions out there it's just like that's facts. Okay. Of course, then, my opinions but yeah I want to re- try to remain impartial and then people can you know make their own opinions and judge about what they read yeah yeah is it quite easy in order to stay impartial or do you find that you have to hold yourself back or anything like that I do hold myself back, I'm not going to lie, yeah. especially on certain topics, I do hold myself mm-hmm. back, you know, and I'm sure everyone knows as well, you know, we know what's going on, we're not stupid, um, but there's certain things that you can't say, not that you can't say, but again, I just want people to kind of make their own judgments about yeah. it, you know, do, mm-hmm. do their own research and just think about it for themselves and not just be spoon-fed information. I know in the yeah. day and age of the internet, it's easy just to read something and take it for gospel, yeah. especially I don't know I think when it comes to our country as well you know just a little bit more effort to try and understand it a bit better so yeah. that's why I do try and just make it as top line as possible and then people can take from that what they wish yeah definitely mm-hmm. um so one thing I know you're really passionate about or you've spoken a lot about on your page yeah. is the Chagos Island so how firstly how did you come across the story of the Chagos Island or the history of the Chagos Island and how do you go about posting your content on it? So posting about Chagos is really hard because I think for Mauritian culture in general, and then especially on the Chagos, there's just not a lot on it. Like a mm-hmm. lot of our culture has been erased or reduced to certain things like slavery or indentured labours or sugarcane or whatever. So for the Chagos, it's even less. So trying to get hold of resources is quite difficult, I won't lie. Um, but I only found out about the Chagos Islands when I lived in Mauritius. So considering, you know, we go to Mauritius every year on holiday for two weeks or we know loads of Mauritian people. I'd never, ever once heard of it until I actually lived on the island and I started speaking to loads of different people or reading mm-hmm. news and kind of just getting a better understanding of what's going on. So for those who kind of don't know, Mauritius is not just Mauritius Island. It's made up of other territories. So there's St. Brandon, Rodrigue, Agalega, and this also used to include the Chagos Islands. So when Mauritius was kind of under 
colonial rule from the British. And as Mauritius was fighting for independence, the British saw this as a kind of opportunity to annex the Chagos Islands as part of a kind of great strategy for military bases around the world with the US. So to cut a very long story short, they forcibly exiled Chagossians to Mauritius and Seychelles. And they now live in extreme poverty. They haven't been paid compensation or haven't been paid all their promised compensation. And there's a giant military base on Diego Garcia, which is the main island in the Chagos. And there's been loads of kind of court appeals and court junctions where the British have been told to decolonise Chagos because it is modern day colonisation. They've been told to decolonise and hand the islands back um, to Mauritius, which is another issue in itself, because do Chagossians still want to be part of Mauritius? Do they want to be kind of their own nation? So that's a whole other story that we need to think about. So that's the main kind of background behind it. So I feel like as modern day Mauritians, not a lot of us know about that. If I think of my kind of Mauritian friends who have also grown up here, it's not something that's ever spoken about on the news or it's like a little tiny corner in a website somewhere. So I think it's just really important to raise awareness of that. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you're right. Like I, because I grew up in Mauritius, was born there and I only heard, I only heard about it. Like I didn't actually know what it was until I came here and sort of my parents told me the story. And with that, I was like, what can you do? Like you just feel helpless because it's like, those people and we actually have a Mauritian friend who was from the um Chagos Islands yeah yeah um kind of like a second or third generation or I think like a third generation because she moved here because she was living in Mauritius actually and then moved here as well so even she doesn't know like her history and how you know what happened and stuff like that so it's like that's the thing because it's probably like her grandparents or great-grandparents who would know and then when they sadly pass away, that history kind of gets lost because it's not really... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not until sort of... Because it's been in the news recently and yeah. then sort of like you covered it and I've read up on it. But other than that, like, it's not like talked about in Mauritius mm-hmm. enough. And it's like there's a lot of like hidden knowledge or like hidden information. And it's just like, why? But it's because it's just not talked about and not looked into yeah, and the whole thing is quite secretive anyway. I mean, annexing Chagos was kind of a secret deal made by the US and the UK. Yeah. And then no one kind of knows what goes on on the island anyway. Like They know it's a military base, but what actually happens, no press can go. Obviously, Chagossians can't even go. So mm-hmm. no press can go. You need permits or whatever to be able to sail nearby. So it's all very undercover. Yeah. I, I actually came across the story when I was probably like in my teens, um, yeah. My dad just mentioned it and I remember watching a documentary. I think I think there's a famous English documentary about it, which I, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it was like, you know, when you're young, you just Google everything. Um, yeah. I watched my, I watched the documentary and it was just crazy to me how they were just exiled from their own island mm-hmm. because yes. like, because like 13 year old me was just thinking, imagine if I couldn't go back to Mauritius ever. Like it it just hit me so hard. And the thing that hit me so much was it's not like old, old history. This is like recent. This is like 50 years. Yeah. Maybe. That's the maddest thing about it. It's not even old. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking the only reason like the gov like the British government was able to do it is because there's like only a few like it it wasn't a big population but even then like we're not a big population as Mauritius so imagine if someone said to you like you can't ever go back like, yeah how 
Yeah. And you're oh, and you like your home doesn't exist. You never existed. What the hell? It just it just didn't make the sense more, to me. The more and more you go into it, the kind of worse it is because, like you said, Hans, the reason they picked the island is because it's not a large population. But I'm going to cover this in an infographic soon, hopefully. But they had another option for another island, but mm-hmm. because it's kind of habited by endangered sea turtles, they didn't want to face kind of um, backlash from environmental activists. Oh wow. Yeah, so Chagos was a kind of another option for them. That is actually... I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't know that. The more you read into it. So I'm reading a book at the moment called Island of Shame by David Vine. I thoroughly, Mm. thoroughly recommend it. It takes a while to get through, but it covers the whole thing in quite immense detail with loads of good stuff. So, yeah, and it kind of details the whole kind of... It's called the strategic island concept, basically. So the Mm -hmm. US, because they face kind of um, the threat of China um, on looking to kind of have military bases all around the world to come mm. back. The US have 4,000 military bases around the world. 4,000? Yeah. One of them being here. So, yeah. you know, not a lot of known about that. So David Vine's book kind of covers that in a lot of detail. And I'm just reading through it now, but I'm going to the part where they talk about how they exiled the Shagossians and then hopefully I can do an infographic for you all. Oh, that would be amazing. You know what actually boils my blood? Like, I remember when Instagram first came up and I actually typed in the hashtag or the location and it comes up with people chilling on the beach, like a few here and there. And I'm like, and you won't even let the people who are from there go back. Like, oh my God. It just There's all kind of rumours, like, I don't know how true they are, but, you know, it's kind of like really great facilities for the people who are working there because they're military personnel. um, And there's kind of, you know, like, fast food chains and for them I don't know how true that is though so don't take it for gospel I've also heard I don't again I don't know how true it is that they kind of um import workers in I think from I'm not sure I think it's Thailand so mm-hmm. to kind of the kind of maintenance cleaning cooking so yes yeah, I don't know what happens there but that is crazy and I should say that everything we're, we're mentioning right now will be good to sort of have all that information so then what we'll do is like put it in the notes so if anyone listening wants to learn more um they definitely. can do that yeah cool definitely and um you know, point them to my page and i always have sources down there so if you want to do your own reading then definitely yeah definitely i think there's so much more to read up on this that will yeah. kind of put everything and link everything so Nadia, how how do you keep in touch with like the developments regarding the Chagos Islands? Um, and how do you like have you spoken to anyone from charities or anything like that? I would like to engage more with people from charities just to kind of find out a bit more. An easy thing to do is just Google Chagos in Google and then hit news and then the latest things will come up about it. And then you can kind of set a notification to ping up. I mean, if a big piece of news happens kind of like yesterday, what happened with the um, Tribunal of the Land Law of Sea. Um, so they kind of said again for God knows how many times that the occupation that the UK have is illegal um, and they need to decolonise immediately. So the kind of new ruling they've passed for, I think... Um, give Mauritius kind of jurisdiction, sorry, to kind of set different maritime borders. So that might include the Chagos Islands. So I'm still unsure of that. So it's something, again, I need to research. But apart from that, I have a few books. Um, I think what I'd love to do, as soon as the borders open, I can go back to Mauritius, just go to the Mauritian bookshops, because that's where you get the good stuff, like all the good books. But apart from that, just kind of order books online where I see them, but they're really expensive. Um, mm. So just and just speak to as many different people as I can. Luckily, through Sashni Cooker, I've met such amazing people who have pointed me towards good resources. So that's another good way I've been able to keep up to date with everything. And like for the resources that you found, 
how do you I guess how do you know like credibility I mean like how do you yeah well credibility is a big one if it's in a book as opposed to on the internet then I think I give it personally a high credibility score because if it's gone through the effort of being written and published then surely you'd know it's more credible especially it's got a list of sources at the back that you can refer to um on the internet whenever I list something that's on the internet I try to verify it by making sure that two or other three places have said the same thing or a similar thing if it's just a kind of lone internet page that I've never seen before then I will never add it to the source um so for example in Mauritius I only use the main news outlets which are like L'Express, Defi Media, Le Mauritien well those are the only three anyway but so if another kind of rogue page has said something I try not to include it is difficult sometimes because mm. like, a lot of information out there as it is so just got to got to make do with what you have it's kind of just using common sense as well the next thing I really wanted to talk about is just your Mauritian identity (laughs) so I think I just wanted to know from your perspective what it's been like growing up um, and then moving back briefly moving back or was it quite for quite a few years born and brought up here in London in East London growing up as a Mauritian was not weird but different I think as a kid you don't understand it as well like I think as a kid you're automatically placed into kind of either Indian or somewhere in Africa but it's usually kind of South Asian you're placed into depending on how you look mainly so if someone who doesn't look typically South Asian will probably be placed into a different category but I felt like mm-hmm. growing like your Mauritian identity was always kind of reduced because no one really knew Mauritius or what it was about like I posted that meme the other day from that guy on Twitter who said I don't believe Mauritian people are real I believe they're just an illusion because I've never actually met anyone from Mauritius <laughs> It was very much like that, kind of, you're just put into a different category. Mm-hmm. And then I only really became properly in touch with my Mauritian roots, I think, when I moved there. Um, so I moved over there as a teenager, and that's when, obviously, I lived there, went to school there, spent the rest of my teenage years there. So that's when I really became in touch with it. And then moving back to England afterwards, kind of vowed not to be reduced as anything else, because Mauritius is a whole different melting pot of so many other cultures and it's so different to like, what is what is African culture Africa is not a country it's a continent made up of so mm, many different yes reduce that yeah yeah and even in an African country there's so many tribes or yeah, different um, se- yeah 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 and like even Mauritius like the north of Mauritius is completely different from the south and the east is different to the west so how do you even you can't really quantify that so Growing up was kind of hard, but I'm definitely more comfortable in my... I was going to say to a big part, I think, of growing up is, well, for me personally, was, like you said, making that decision not to be reduced by my identity. Because I think, because, like you said, where people are so used to putting us in boxes, we feel like we need to fit a box. But it's really difficult to do that when you're Mauritian, because how how do you explain, oh, you're African, but you're also... You know, like you're Indo, you're Indo Mauritian, and you also speak French. So it's yeah. really like there is no box for that. Right, <laughs> so I think understanding, you know, what it's fine to not fit into a box because. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one thing trying to understand it yourself. Yourself, honestly, yeah. And then telling other people, and they're like, "Oh, I thought." And then you're like, especially when you explain to them where Mauritius is, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Madagascar, the movie." <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that's what it becomes. That's what it gets reduced to. <laughs> or, yeah. or the other thing is they know it as just as like Mauritius the Paradise, which yeah, I want to go on go on to a bit yeah. later on. But what was that sort of culture difference like when you moved back? Because you moved back as a teenage teenager, and you know you spent quite a bit of years here. And how yeah. was that different? 
it is different, not going to lie. And I think growing up in England, when you go to Mauritius, like you say, you go on holiday for two or three weeks, you know, it's all fun and games. You see your family, you go to the beach, you climb a mountain, you have nice food and then you come home. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to live, it's true though. That's what it is. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Going to live there was definitely... I kind of knew what to expect to a certain extent, but living somewhere and going on holiday is completely different. Different, yeah. Yeah, you've got to have a routine. You know, you go to school, you've got homework to do after after school. It's not all fun and games at the beach. So it was different, but it was good different. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me in my life living mm-hmm. there. And I was able to really get in touch with my culture, with my roots. Um, I was able to meet so many different people from around the world who I'm still best friends with now. And just like my kind of learning experience. So things like mm-hmm. learning about learning about slavery was a different take to what I'd learned in school in England. Mm-hmm. You know, had I not moved to Mauritius, I probably wouldn't be fluent in French now. So, you know, all these different things that I picked up and learned thanks to living there. So it is a different experience, but definitely a good one. And then, yeah, then I came back to England. <laughs> Did it ever cause any, I guess, confusion for you or was, did it actually make things clearer going back? It definitely made things clearer. I think had, I can't say now as an adult, but I think had I not had that experience, I still probably not would have been confused, but still maybe unsure about my identity. Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm more sure and I'm definitely more patient about explaining it to people. Mm. Whereas before it'd kind of be frustrating to try, like you say, Max, try to explain it when you don't understand it yourself. So you mm-hmm. just kind of sit and say yeah you're African or yeah you're Indian or whatever yeah but now like I'll fully sit down with you for an hour and tell you about it and draw like a pie chart and a diagram (laughs) oh you're so sweet (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's more important now I guess um Mm. because it it did help clarify things and help me understand things a bit better so yeah so since you've had the experience of both I guess here and back home what's been your experience like with the education system back home and here I think it's different so I went to international school in Mauritius mm-hmm. don't know what the experience would have been like had I gone to a state school mm. even going to an international school I kind of learned things like I said about the history of the island that and things in general like slavery which you didn't learn about here so when I think about learning about slavery in like year eight or year nine here before I moved to Mauritius I kind of remember it being you know like the British Empire you know they earned a third of the world and this was the benefits of you know colonialism we've got all these yeah like, they literally glorify uh, it yeah and then in Mauritius you're kind of marched up Lamore Mountain and you're told right so this is where the slaves jumped off because they didn't want to you know be slaves anymore so yeah. you get perspective of it so yeah very wow very, very real and you're kind of reminded being on the island you're kind of reminded about slavery all the time you know things like the mm-hmm. sugar cane which are everlasting you know they're kind of a direct what's the word consequence of slavery and colonialism yeah 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 sugar cane is the majority of the island now yeah that's actually true it's kind of everywhere and the next thing I wanted to move on to is what do you think are some misconceptions because I'm pretty sure through the page you've spoken to a lot of people and I recently saw you actually um recommended Mauritian food to another YouTuber right to try it or something like that so what are some misconceptions that you've like people have had about Mauritius in general that you've come across I think as a non-Mauritian, I think one of the big misconceptions about the island is just that it's just this idea paradise island, which is, don't get me wrong, Mauritius is a beautiful island. But I think, again, it comes to kind of being reduced to just that. Mm-hmm. But what kind of riles me is when people tell me they're going to Mauritius and I just know for a fact they're just going to sit in their resort for two weeks and not do anything else. <laughs> they're going to go 
on the south of the island, they're just going to stay there and not do anything when the island has so much to offer. And mm. what roused me even more was they're going to go to their little resort on the south of the island, but then not go two minutes down the road where people live in extreme poverty. Mm. I think sometimes the narrative that Mauritius has, through no fault of its own, because it is a beautiful island, but I think sometimes, again, it's trying to get a wider perspective. If you're only looking at certain things, like certain tourism pages about Mauritius, you're only going to see the good bits, right? You're of never course. going to see the um, poverty or, you know, the pollution, which I think Mauritius is getting a lot better on now. There's like loads of like groups and charities which are doing a lot more about the kind of pollution and stuff mm-hmm. um, on the island. So, it, yeah, I think that's like every country that does have its kind of misconceptions. So, I mean, look at England, for example, meant to be one of the richest countries in the world, but we can't feed <laughs> yeah yeah like you said it's true and I think um it's important for us to sort of look into I think I've been you know guilty of not looking into like the bad parts not bad parts like the other side of Mauritius Mm -hmm. um but it is hard like you said like because we're here so we're not Mm -hmm. really in touch with um that part of Mauritius but it is something I do need to actively sort of look into and be more aware of yeah I feel like it's one of those things like in terms of the poverty like I only remember seeing it because we just happened to drive there once and I asked my mm-hmm. dad like, what are all these kind of like corrugated like metal sheets like all around this, these beaches you know those are people's homes yeah yeah at the time so you know unless you kind of unless you're exposed to it to even ask how would you know yeah so that's another purpose of the page is to kind of just share that like what's out there yeah definitely I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience but I had a colleague who went to Mauritius mm-hmm. and I was like oh I'm Mauritian too like obviously like whenever someone says to me they've gone to Mauritius or they're Mauritian my hype level just goes up anyway and he <laughs> was like I, <laughs> but this is the thing he like really enjoys traveling mm-hmm. um he's quite you know a bit of a traveler and he was saying to me how when he went there he kept on asking everyone at the hotel for like local food um you know just everything local and yeah. all they would be doing is taking him to like the most expensive places basically being ripped off and I yeah. just felt so bad because I was just like there are people who actually want to go and experience the culture yeah and they sh- like we have so much to offer that mm. you know like I feel like maybe the tourist industry shouldn't really be taking people to rip them off in that kind of way because it just sets a bad example I know it's not everyone but then then when I'm hyping up you know like on the road or something it just doesn't Mm. make sense because he had to pay like you know an extortionate amount for like one thing and the thing the reason why he said to me was um he was like I just knew this isn't something the locals would buy because it just didn't make sense in terms of their currency yeah Yeah, you know and it's like why because I really wish I could have just taken you there to show you how amazing it is mm. that's true though Hans but the thing is not everyone thinks like your colleague like some people are more than happy to like just go and sit on the beach for two weeks and just it's their holiday I true, think. True. it is meant to be a kind of you know long-haul luxury destination so I get it if you're spending a lot of money to go there and that's what you want to do then fine yeah I think as Mauritians, I think we just feel it's a massive injustice to our island don't we because you know we do know there's so much more to offer definitely yeah yeah, I definitely think that, like, um, how we experience, I really wish that, like, tourist industry took more pride, I guess, in our culture yeah. and just tried to show that more. I think they do try to do it, but it's a very, I don't know. I think it's just, it just, it depends, it depends on the people. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and 
it will help if you know someone yeah, yeah. definitely because when wow. I think about it even when I go to Mauritius it's an experience for myself like yeah I've got family and all of that but it's still like an experience for anyone and everyone yeah. pretty much mm. but yeah but maybe I'm just being biased because I'm Mauritian so I don't know yeah, but you're That's saying the that there's <laughs> no I was gonna say like you're saying that side but then I've heard from Mauritians themselves when they go to um so like beach resorts in Mauritius they're sometimes they're what's it called they're they're not as well treated as foreigners right this is what roused me yeah because when I see on these Mauritian pages when they post and they show you know I'll just say it I'm gonna say it when they show you like beautiful white people on the beach Mm -hmm. And when you see a Mauritian person or person of colour, they're always kind of in a position of servitude. They're always like welcoming you out the door with a cocktail or they're the chef or they're the person carrying your luggage in. So they really need to kind of look at how they represent things because we know as a Mauritian of colour, if you go to a hotel, you're not treated as well. Yeah, yeah. Unless you know someone who works there. Exactly then you're you're not treated as well that is so true I, and I think do you know what I don't even think it's just in the hotel industry I think Mauritius generally has this big thing of if you know someone you're treated mm. so much better yeah. um like the whole, whole country right. works on yeah. networking context and the yeah. sad part is sorry this is so relevant but it's so bad when it comes to like hospital treatment because you mm. know for a fact that if you don't know someone you don't know a doctor you're most likely not going to get the same treatment which is Quite, maybe it's just my experience um and other people don't experience this but it's so true like I know that whenever we have a Mauritian friend here who's got a family back home in yeah. a hospital the first thing they'll do is start calling around here to say do you know someone that's yeah. just so sad because what if you don't know anyone mm. so that's this whole country is it's, it's like it's just kind of like if you don't have contacts you're really mm. left behind you don't have backing you're really left behind mm. but I don't know maybe that's just my that's just what I've seen so it's very obviously limited but yeah it's just sad like you said if you know someone you'll get like amazing treatment Mm -hmm. but if you don't then you're kind of left behind that is um quite shocking to hear sometimes oh god I I always feel really bad whenever I talk trash about Mauritius but the thing is it's not in a way of like oh I'm trying to put it down it's like in a way of like I really want things to be better because it's such yeah. an amazing country. Exactly. So, and I know the value of it, but I'm like, I yeah. don't want to, do you know what I mean? Exactly. I think when you said Mags about perception, I think that's another thing, like it's kind of it's sometimes still stuck in that kind of old school mindset of how things work. But I think with the kind of the new generation, um, as things change, you know, that will kind of hopefully fade away. Um, we were talking about to our team members, mm-hmm. there's only Mamsel team members and we were, one of the um the girls she's a international student um, mm-hmm. at UEA at the moment and she was saying like the movement right now within like the the young people yeah. is moving at a really like fast pace so I do have hopes I, I have I hope that you know we're moving into like a better more open society and le- well like you said it is Mauritius is still very much like backward minded um so I think we're in a good position. I think we're just, Definitely. yeah, we're just going to have to see it out. Yeah, I think with this kind of like more modern mindset, if you're saying like your friend saying kind of the movement is going, I think for Mauritians abroad and Mauritians on the island themselves, who are probably closer to it, mm. that will change in a few years, hopefully. Speak about melting pot, but I think it's not just in terms of culture, religion or anything like that. I think even in terms of mindset, like you always have polar yeah. opposites. Like you have some people who are just, you know, like, 
you know, like think very, very differently, but it's, it's really a melting pot in terms of opinions as well. You have mm. really progressive people and then you also have some people who, you know, the polar opposite. But yeah, definitely a melting pot in all sense, I think. I guess that's how you learn as well, because, you know, if you're just an echo chamber, everyone is the same, nothing will yeah. ever happen. If you get different points of view and different perspectives on things, you can kind of take them on board, learn from them, make a judgment on them. What has been the most surprising thing that's happened since you started your page? Hands I just down. jumped completely back to the page, but yeah. Hands down, it's definitely been meeting all the different people. Like, I wouldn't have met you guys if I hadn't started the page. So it's definitely meeting all the people. Like, I just started it. I won't lie. I kind of started it for fun just to see where it would go. But mm-hmm. to have all messages of people saying, you know, they really relate to it or they've learned something new. It's just been such a highlight um, and a reaction that I didn't actually think would happen. I thought I'd get a few likes here and there. But I didn't actually think people would say I relate to this so much. And that's making me really happy because that's what I want. I want people to be able to have a safe space where they can, you know, relate and meet other Mauritians. I met so many great people off the page. So, yeah, it's definitely been a highlight. I just want to meet them in person after COVID. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, definitely. Yeah, because I was going to say we live so close. Like... (laughs) And we wouldn't have known that had it not been for our pages. Exactly. And I was going to say, you're also breaking down this, the Mauritian mindset of, because I think me and her sort of talk about this. Sometimes people say like, avoid Mauritians. But it's like, yeah. (laughs) Have you not? Oh, like we've had that. Really? From who? So when we both, when we both went to uni, um, I, I really wanted my Mauritian identity, like, I really wanted to explore it. Um, so okay. I, when, I don't know, grow, I, I grew up in a really white area, um, yeah. like where I lived. So when I meet Mauritian people, for me, it's just like, click kind yeah, of thing. She, but it's not was. like that for everyone. A lot of people feel that way. So I think that's completely normal. But not a lot of people feel like that. And um, when we went to uni, we realized it's very, very divided. Like some people don't want anything to do with Mauritian people, other Mauritian people, because one, they might, they might have misconceptions about Mauritian people or, you know, like that. I heard this other thing, which I think is, is quite interesting. I've been with Mauritian people all my life. Therefore I don't mm. want to get to know more Mauritian people. Um, like, you know, I want to have a different experience, which was quite, you know, fair. Okay. Fair um, but you know, like so many things. And when I, told my parents they were a bit like why are you getting yourself involved because they just realized how um some people will some people will want to be friends with you and other people just won't like sometimes you know I've had experiences with my parents where we've gone to the shops and you see you hear someone speak creole the moment you turn around you look at them they just don't want to talk like they don't want to engage yeah I've had a lot of experience like they don't want to engage and I'm just a bit like okay so it's always it's it makes you a bit like you never know how to approach someone um, yeah, and that way because sometimes you know like the older generations and they just make friends with everyone they see on the road so sometimes you know they'll clock someone who speaks Creole like their ears will prick up and then <laughs> yeah. their best friend but then I get that sometimes I have now you said it I can actually think of a couple of times where they just don't want to yeah they, they don't want to engage with Mauritians or do you think it's because of like stranger danger I don't think it's stranger danger. Yeah, no, I think it's because if you're in a shop, yeah, you're buying vegetables. Like, yeah, yeah. Like how I don't know if it's just one on one. Okay, you're fair enough. It's like your whole family. I don't know. Yeah, and because they know you're Mauritian as well, like you can clock that. Yeah, you can clock. Yeah, that's the thing. You You can can clock. clock (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. I think like our pages, like even your page, is really changing that narrative. Mm. 
it's actually bringing people together I would say yeah. or a lot more and I think it's bringing people together for the right reasons like you know it's like educating people and like it's actually making us have more connection I would say back to the stories in Mauritius and keeping us up to date with what's going on so yeah that's the main aim of the pages right so you know if like one person meets someone else who can they relate to or one person knows something new about the island they didn't know then I think hopefully we're on the right track <laughs> Mm. yeah no definitely but that's that's what I that was my point like I think mm. yeah you're doing a great job mm-hmm. sort of connecting Mauritius and creating a safe space like you said because you know all the memes and stuff like we can all re- that's the one thing that's like it baffles me like why we have this misconception because it's like yeah. we all have those things in common yeah you get what I mean like the the jokes it's it's the same as in obviously yeah, related ones they get like the most engagement so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah which shows that we're all on the same page so what are some topics you're currently working on for like on the page or what are some exciting things I know obviously you want to try to keep as much of it <laughs> secret but like where do you hope the page takes you pretty much um well it's kind of for lack of a better word nice where the page is now because Mm. it's a small-ish community I kind of know a few people personally Mm -hmm. so I'd love the page to grow but I still want to be able to keep that personal touch with people because it's been nice being able to like dm people one-on-one and yeah see like regular people who engage so that's been really nice to see so I do hope the page grows just because I want it to reach people you know some people have said you know they felt a bit kind of isolated before they interacted with the page and then met other people who you know, feel the same way as them. So I wouldn't want to grow for that reason. I'm working on something really exciting for March. I can't talk on now. Um, just keep an eye on the page, keep an eye on stories and all should be revealed. Um, I'm gasping at making it sound really great. It's probably just whatever, but... Um, no, <laughs> like we're excited. Hopefully it's something fun. Um, and then I'm working on a few interesting topics. So one that should be out in February is around the Mauritian riots. So mm, yeah, you guys know the singer Kaya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it'll be about him and the kind of riots. It'll be the anniversary of the riots in February. Um, and then I've also recently found out that did you know Mauritius has a Jewish cemetery? Oh no, I didn't. Do you know kind of the history behind it? No, no. I didn't even know there was one. In a, it's in Bobasa. In a really brief nutshell. Oh, that's why. Well, my hometown. Well, in a really brief nutshell, so during colonialism, guess where this is going? Um, and, you know, the whole thing about annexing Palestine and everything that's going on with Israel-Palestine. Um, so during that time, the British sent loads of Jewish detainees to live in a camp in Mauritius. So for, I think four to five years, there were kind of all these like um, Jewish people who weren't allowed into because at the time it was Palestine mm-hmm. because it was the British mandate of Palestine so but yeah everywhere the British people go like something just seems to happen yeah goes. for so sure they didn't know where to kind of put these kind of Jewish asylum seekers at the time refugees yeah. put them they were like okay let's shift them off to one of our colonies um, we can't send them to Trinidad because of this we can't send them to Jamaica because of that let's put them in Russia so they built a kind of camp in Bubasa and mm-hmm. yeah. these people there for five years so obviously they some of them died which is why there's a country there but are there any like Jews in Mauritius now or that's what I'm trying to look into I don't think so at the moment mm-hmm. bar mitzvah was like in the year 2000 or something so I don't know if there is mm. that is so interesting now. um so I'd like to find that out but I don't even know how to go about finding that out um mm-hmm. so looking into that at the moment so hopefully when I get all the proper information and some good sources that'll be on there soon 
but Nadia how do you come across these things is it just what from what people say to you and it just kind of clicks and you go off with it or how do these things come up when I research things I kind of get into a wormhole and find out other things Mm, yeah I don't know what I was researching about and then I found this completely separate topic I was like oh this is interesting and then Right, I need to write something on this. So it kind of so goes on a tangent, but I've got a little book which I write everything in, so I don't kind of oh. forget. Do you ever find it overwhelming running the page? I don't find it overwhelming. I find it, I like doing it, it is mm. mine. I just kind of want to get it right for people. So yeah. I sometimes worry that oh, I'm not getting an infographic out every week or something, but then I'd rather get something out that's quality you know that actually helps people and if they have to wait a month then I'm sorry so it's not overwhelming as such I just want to make sure it's kind of of a good standard and of good quality yeah yeah definitely. what about you guys how do you find running a page like, on top of the day job on top of everything else yeah no like you said it's, it's definitely tricky and like we're still trying to find um our feet as well and yeah and a balance and because we have other team members as well so it's like working around all our timetables because we have like team meetings every week but it's definitely but because it's something we enjoy so it's like we just make the most out of it that's the thing if you enjoy it it doesn't feel like work does it yeah yeah um so yeah we we do the best that we can yeah um and like you said like sometimes we do have you know why we're not doing the right things but we can only do so much and as long as you know people are related to the stories and finding you know safe space that's our aim basically I've realized from like previous like extracurricular activities or whatever I've just realized if you I've stopped doing things to kind of please people I know it's a page for people and like obviously your audience matters but if I if I enjoy it I kind of try to focus on that more that makes Mm -hmm. sense like if I'm enjoying doing the podcast for example um, I'm just hoping someone out there will enjoy it too like will enjoy listening to it yeah yeah because I'm and having a good time so yeah that's right and I think you know you can't force it if you're like you say if you're being true to yourself and you're enjoying it then people will relate to it because of who you are not because you're trying to be something else or trying to please them like yeah for example like we love doing these conversations because yeah. you know we learn so much so much honestly yeah, and it's just like a chat amongst mates isn't it so hopefully if we're being in the same way then someone else is so yeah yeah and they can learn something new as well and yeah. sort of yeah and spark conversations within you yeah. know, their friends or families yeah. yeah I always think like having conversations the best way to kind of expand on your knowledge definitely because you just never know what someone will say to you like you just said about the cemetery like I had no idea yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. even a book in I probably Bobby wouldn't Fair. have found that yeah my hometown in Mauritius yeah there you go well even like well I didn't know anything about it till like what a month ago when I suddenly came across it and then this is the thing so I across like a web page and I'm like well how credible is this web page now so now yeah. I need to try and find out a bit more so yeah that's why it does sometimes get a bit difficult but yeah you just you learn things by just by meeting other people so yeah encourage diverse conversation and diverse friendship <laughs> Nadia final few questions this has been a really great conversation honestly we've loved having you what's your favorite quote or something that you live by or something that's recently come to you I always stick by that Confucius quote like find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. Mm. I'm so I think that kind of relates to our pages. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. Definitely. Well, you um, will work. There'll be some days where it's difficult, but you know, the passion drives you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, Nadia, especially at this time of day. 
Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Really, really good. It's been yeah, great conversation, and I've learned from you guys just as much. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed our content. You can reach out to us on Instagram at zodi.mamzel and keep up to date with our latest adventures. Wishing you a wonderful day. Here's to you keeping your head up and winning. Lots of love, Zoli Mamzel.